Welcome to Marrow Masters, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Insight Corporation, and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and families cope with the psychosocial challenges of bone marrow and stem cell transplant from diagnosis through survivorship. Here's the Executive Director of the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome, everyone. This series focuses on all things caregiving. We will hear from the experts and the experienced, and trust me, their know-how will offer caregivers and families at every stage of the journey best practices, tips, and most importantly, an abundance of hope. Caregivers will feel their support and compassion. Today's episode will feature Sharon Mitten. Sharon's husband, Rob, is six years out now from his transplant and tricky diagnosis of Cesare syndrome, a type of cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. Sharon exemplifies the importance of being an advocate and a caregiver. She'll tell you, be vocal, be strong, and always stay the course for your loved one. Sharon will share her best tips, her faith, her kind heart, and her incredible no-nonsense approach to getting your loved one's needs met. Thank you for being with us today, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me, Peggy. So in May of 2012, my husband Rob broke out with an itchy red rash around his abdomen. He went to his primary care doctor who told him that his skin was probably just sensitive to our laundry detergent or maybe the soap that he was using. So we sent him to a dermatologist and an allergist to have lots of tests done along with several skin biopsies. Rob was told that he had dermatitis and psoriasis and he was given steroids to control it. That seemed to temporarily help, but then the itchy red rash would come back even worse. It spread over his entire body and he looked as if he had had a really bad sunburn. His skin started to peel off and he'd swell up from head to toe. He looked like the Michelin man. Huh. He would get infection after infection and staph infections and MRSA and pneumonia several times. We had several trips to the emergency room. After several doctors couldn't find out what was happening with my husband, we decided to go to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, which is a two and a half hour drive from our home, so he could have some further testing done. I'd been doing a lot of online research looking for Rob's symptoms, and I found a really scary diagnosis that seemed to tick off exactly every symptom that he had. It was an extraordinarily rare cancer called Cesare syndrome, which is a type of cutaneous T-cell lymphoma that affects the blood, the skin, and the lymph nodes. The chances of having this cancer, though, were one in one million. The doctors at Mayo Clinic also started to think that Rob might have this very rare cancer, but it was really difficult to diagnose. After months and months of testing and Rob getting progressively worse, he was diagnosed in early November of 2013 with stage four Cesare syndrome. We were told that he had had a 25% chance of living up to five years. Our family was devastated. Oh, Sharon, what a story. Can you tell us what got you through? What kept you going? Where did you start at that point? Well, Peggy, if it weren't for my strong faith, I believe that I would have fallen apart. I had to trust that God had a plan for us, and I was going to accept whatever that plan was. I prayed for guidance, and I'm absolutely sure that every doctor that we saw, website that I found, and people that we came into contact with along the way were answers to my prayers. I'd found a gentleman named Neil Dicker on the Cutaneous Lymphoma Foundation website, whose medical story sounded exactly like Rob's. 
He was diagnosed with Cesare syndrome in 2005 and had an allogeneic stem cell transplant in 2009. We contacted him to talk with him about his experiences, and he was tremendously helpful. His suggestion to us, get into the bone marrow transplant registry while doctors try to get Rob into a remission. Since there's no cure for Cesare syndrome and remissions from chemotherapy treatments had shown to be temporary, an allogeneic stem cell transplant was Rob's best hope for a lasting remission. We let the doctors know that that's the path that we wanted to follow. We consulted with specialists from around the country, and they agreed that that was Rob's best option as his disease proved to be refractory since none of the treatments were working for him at this point. Now, Rob's only brother was tested to see if he was an HLA tissue match, but he wasn't. Rob was put on the bone marrow registry in January of 2014, and at the same time, his oncologist started him on a chemotherapy drug called bendamustine to clear his cancer cells in his blood. He finished his chemotherapy treatment that May and was pronounced in blood remission. In early July of 2014, we got a call letting us know that an 8 out of 10 HLA match was found. Our prayers were answered. Wow. Rob was almost ready for his stem cell transplant, but he had to have one more treatment to get rid of any remaining cancer cells in his skin. So he had 30 grays of total skin electron beam radiation therapy over a month and a half period. This caused him to lose all of his hair, but cleared his skin of any of the remaining cancer cells. Two weeks later, we went up to the University of Florida in Gainesville, where his transplant would take place. So Rob could go through several days of extensive physical, dental, and psychological exams to make sure that he was able to go through with the procedure. He had been working out as much as he could during the treatments to stay in the best physical shape that he could be. In hindsight, that was the best thing that he did to be ready for the transplant. We also had to make arrangements for where we would live after he was released from the hospital. We couldn't be more than 30 minutes away from the hospital for emergency purposes after he was released. So we found a furnished apartment to rent directly across the street from the hospital. A few days later, we both moved into his hospital room on the 7th floor of the bone marrow transplant unit at Shands Cancer Hospital in Gainesville, where we'd spend the next 22 days. On October 2nd, 2014, Rob was admitted to the hospital after he had a small surgery to have the Hickman, which is a trifusion catheter, placed into his chest. This device would be the means by which he'd receive all of his chemotherapies, his fluids, blood transfusions, platelets, and even the new stem cells. He was hooked up to this huge IV pole that would become his constant companion until he left the hospital. Rob had his first round of the chemo and drugs that would be given over the next several days to wipe out his own immune system and prepare it to accept the new donor stem cells. Some of these drugs made him really sick. Thank you, Sharon. So tell me, what did you do to keep him going at this point? What was really important to you? Well, Peggy, as awful as he felt, we'd make sure that he would get up out of bed every day and walk his laps around the bone marrow unit. Getting exercise is so necessary both physically and psychologically. He'd get up each morning and shower and get fully dressed. We felt that was so important to keep him feeling like a normal day and not like a sick in bed day. October 7th was day zero, transplant day. 
We had a new birthday birthday party for Rob in his room, complete with presents and balloons and his favorite German chocolate cake. Two of our children, my sister and Rob's brother, were able to be there to help me celebrate and watch as the new donor stem cells were infused through Rob's trifusion catheter into his body. These healthy new donor cells would give Rob and our whole family a renewed life together. Wow. So tell us about the days ahead, Sharon. What is your best advice at this stage of the journey regarding nutrition, staying positive, everything that you learned along the way? Well, Peggy, the days ahead wouldn't be easy by any means. Rob had to be monitored very carefully. I felt very fortunate that we had such a great team of doctors and nurses at Chan's Cancer Hospital in the bone marrow unit. They watched all of his counts, his blood pressure, and temperature really closely. He would get blood transfusions and platelets, or when he'd get a fever, he'd be taken down right away to x-ray to check to see if maybe pneumonia was forming. This happened at all hours of the day and night. Rob didn't have much of an appetite at all, and he didn't find the hospital food appealing at all. (laughs) So I'd have to run out to the store to pick up whatever sounded good to him just so he could eat. His diet was pretty restricted, so finding something that he could eat that sounded appetizing to him was really a tricky task. I bet. Rob continued to improve, though, and he was ecstatic when the doctor said that he could be released to live in the apartment that we had secured. Now, 17 days in the hospital after an allogeneic stem cell transplant is a little bit shorter than the standard, but we believe that Rob's positive attitude and daily physical activity really helped a lot. I went over to the apartment a day ahead of Rob arriving there to completely clean it. And when I say clean, I mean disinfect every corner by wiping every surface down with a bleach solution, vacuum all of the air vents, and made sure that the air filter was clean for the furnace and the air conditioner. Being in Florida, we had to be aware of a lot of molds and fungus that are common here. So it's crucial for Rob to be in a clean environment since his new immune system was very delicate. On October 24th, we were finally able to go to bed without nurses and doctors constantly coming in to check on my husband all night long. I was really glad, but I was also really nervous at the same time because now I was completely responsible for caring for him, for keeping him safe, for taking his temperature every day, and keeping him germ-free. It soon became routine, but it wasn't as difficult as I anticipated it would be. We would take our walks daily to the hospital where we spent several hours almost every day in the outpatient clinic of the bone marrow unit. Rob had to get IV fluids and blood work pretty regularly. Before transplant, he had tested positive for cytomegalovirus, or CMV. So in a person with a normal and healthy immune system, this isn't a problem. But with a compromised immune system, it replicates itself and it has to be treated with an antiviral. The oral antiviral wasn't working for Rob, so he had to have it via IV twice a day. So I had to learn how to access his trifusion catheter, keep it sterile, flush it, and administer the IV. I was so afraid of this responsibility, but after training with a home health care nurse and a few monitored attempts, I was a pro. (laughs) On day plus 46, Rob's team of doctors gave him a weekend pass letting us travel the two-and-a-half-hour drive to go home to our house near Orlando. We were both so glad to be able to sleep in our own bed again, if only just for a couple of nights. It was wonderful to see our family again. 
My sisters, my parents, our daughter, and a couple of friends had been taking shifts, staying with our 14-year-old son so that he was able to carry on with school and everyday life while we were living in Gainesville. We were very blessed to have that help, so I was able to completely concentrate on Rob and his recovery. Now, Rob's health continued to progress over the next weeks. We would take short date trips to interesting places around Gainesville. This really helped both of us appreciate the new lease on life together that we'd been given. Rob was still really fatigued quite easily at this point, so I was careful not to push him to do too much. On day plus 70, just over a week before Christmas, we were given the all clear to move back home. Although we would be making weekly trips back up to Gainesville, we were overjoyed to be living back in our own home. On January 15th, 2015, we had another celebration. This would be day plus 100 since his stem cell transplant. Now, day 100 is a turning point in the recovery process. That's when the greatest risk for critical side effects has passed and engraftments complete. So new blood cells are now being made. Rob had fully transformed from his former blood type of O positive to his donor's blood type of A positive. For the next few months, we'd still be making those weekly trips back up to Gainesville for blood work and IV fluids and sometimes platelets. I continued to make sure that Rob avoided being around crowds, especially avoided anyone that might have a cough or a sniffle, and I made sure that he didn't do anything in the yard that involved touching the soil and that he stayed out of the sun. He would still be on quite a few medications for a while, so I was always running out to get prescriptions refilled. He would exercise every day, whether it was a walk or a workout in the clubhouse gym, but not before we'd wipe all of the equipment down with antiseptic wipes and wearing gloves on top of that. Every day that went by, he was beginning to feel more like his old self again, or should I say, a new man. <laughs> Patience, perseverance, and positivity were all key factors in my husband's recovery. At seven months post-transplant, Rob had a really scary setback. He went into the doctor's office to be checked out for a sore throat and a cough and a bit of a fever, so they admitted him back into the hospital. He got progressively worse and was transferred to the ICU with sepsis and pneumonia. The local hospital wasn't able to get the pneumonia under control, so we had him transferred back up to the bone marrow unit in Gainesville. He had several tests along with a bronchoscopy to biopsy his lungs, and it turned out to be a fungal pneumonia. He was treated with antifungal IV meds and released after another two and a half weeks of hospitalization. He had to stay on oral antifungal medications for another six months. Today, Rob is five years and 10 months post-transplant and feels very good. He gets less fatigued than he did the first few years post-transplant, and today he's living his life to the fullest. He's working, he runs four miles, he plays pickleball several times a week, and goes fishing almost every day. Rob was really fortunate to never have any issues with graft-versus-host disease. We're grateful every day to his wonderful donor and all of his doctors and the staff at Chan's Cancer Hospital and the renewed life that God has given to Rob and our entire family. Sharon, this is so helpful. I mean, what a journey and what a example of just needing all hands on deck as far as your family and trusting your gut and having a, a great transplant center 
And you are just the example of a wonderful caregiver. And I think there's just so much you could be sharing with people. What would be your single most important tip for future caregivers? Peggy, I'd say that the most important thing for caregivers would be to line up help from friends and family to cover taking care of daily tasks at home, like caring for your children if you have children, taking care of your pets, having the yard maintenance done, getting your mail for you. This way, you can completely concentrate on your patient. It's also important to have someone to be able and ready to step into your position as caregiver temporarily so you can take breaks to take care of yourself a little bit too, like go to the salon, take care of business that needs to be taken care of outside of the patient. Don't miss your own doctor's appointments. I lined all of this up well before Rob's transplant by listing everything I needed and scheduling who was able to help and when. We were so grateful for everyone that helped things go so smoothly, and I couldn't have done it without all of them. I bet. I know you touched on it a little bit, but do you have any other tips about self-care? Well, I'll have to admit, taking care of myself wasn't a top priority during my husband's transplant, but in hindsight, I should have made more time to do that. The most important thing for me was reading my devotionals daily. Philippians 4 was my go-to chapter in the New Testament throughout our journey. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Staying in God's word and trusting he was with us every moment was so comforting. I had no doubt that he had guided us through it all. This was so important in helping to keep a positive mindset. Peggy, I'd really like to thank you and the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link so much for the opportunity to share my story as my husband's caregiver through his cancer journey and allogeneic stem cell transplant. I pray that this is an inspiration for others. Oh, Sharon, we know it is. I do want to ask you one more quick question. Of course, when you went through all this, there was no virus going on. There was no COVID. Our world was very different. In light of everything going on, if you were a brand new caregiver, is there anything you could think of based on what you know about where we've been the last five months with this virus that you could offer as an additional tip for future caregivers? I would say to make sure that you have a good video connection with your patient so you can see them every day since I understand that caregivers are not allowed to spend time in the hospital with the patient like I was. So if you have a good video connection um, via Google Duo or Skype, whatever format that you're able to use, I would highly recommend that. That's a great idea. And of course, we all we have to do is ask our children to set that up for us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then we're ready to roll. Now, that, that's a great point, Sharon. And I think in light of everything that people are facing today, it's good advice. Thank you so much. You've always been such an advocate for your Rob. And I just know that this is going to help so many people. I hope so, Peggy. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been the Marrow Masters Podcast. Feel free to share this episode via text, email, or social media. To hear more, subscribe for free to Marrow Masters in your favorite podcast app. To learn more about the resources available to both patients and caregivers, check out the National Bone Marrow Transplant link at nbmtlink.org. 
That's nbmtlink.org, or just follow the link in our show notes.